we're going to do the Yemei um, Chabad for Gimel Sivan. That's the third day of Sivan in the year. Tov Kuf Peites. That's 589. That's June 4th, 1829. That was the day that the Tzemach Tzedek openly accepted the leadership. He became the third Lubavitcher Rebbe on that day was the third day of Sivan. Because it wasn't so simple as we've read the uh, Tzemach Tzedek was one of the son-in-laws and was still a son of the Alter Rebbe and there were other grandchildren of the Alter Rebbe and it wasn't so easy. So here we're going to hear, I'll read a little bit about what took place. After the Mittler Rebbe passed away in the year Tov Kuf Pei Ches, he passed away on the ninth day of Kislev in Tov Kuf Peiches. Now this date that we're talking about is more than a year. It's a year and, uh, and a half from Kislev till, till Sivan. It's almost a year and a half after the passing of the Mittler Rebbe that he officially, formally accepted the leadership and became the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. The, in the beginning, the Tzemach Tzedek refused to accept upon himself the leadership. The previous Rebbe relates as follows, that there was a gathering of the elder Hasidim of the Mittler Rebbe, and they had decided to crown as the next Lubavitcher Rebbe, the son-in-law, the Tzemach Tzedek, and during that meeting, uh, all the very popular great Hasidim that were amongst the Hasidim, they decided, uh, so... And in addition to that, all the uh, Hasidim from all the various different cities and the great Hasidim, the leaders from the Kfar and close and in all the settlements of Chabad, they all decided that the Tzemach Tzedek is it. So they made a delegation from 18 people who were the most popular, famous Hasidim. Amongst them was Rabbi Hillel Parich, a great renowned Hasid, the great genius Rabbi Yitzchak Isaac of Vitebsk, also known as Isaac Homler. He was another great genius rabbi. The other great genius rabbi was Rabbi Yitzchak Moshe Meyasi, the Goyen Reperetzchein, Reperetzchinugever. These were giants, each one of them, and more. These were giant names amongst the Hasidic leadership. They were the greatest in the delegation presented itself in front of the Tzemach Tzedek and gave him the decision of the Hasidim, which has already been publicized in all settlements of Chabad, that the crown of the leadership has been placed on the Tzemach Tzedek. And he becomes the, the leader of the Hasidic community for Mazel Tov, for long life and good years, spiritually and physically. However, to their great despair, the Tzemach Tzedek refused. He didn't want to accept. He didn't accept the Yenisees. He suggested that they choose a Reb Chaim Avram, who was a son of the Alter Rebbe. So that was a brother of the Mittler Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe. That was the Mittler Rebbe's brother. Miller passed away, but he had a son, Reb Chaim Avram. Or Reb Nochum, who was a son because the Mittler Rebbe, he was a son-in-law, but Reb Nochum was a son 
of the Mitla Rebbe. That was his brother-in-law. So he says, no, he let the son instead of the son-in-law. Or he suggested that Arn of Kremenchuk, who was a grandson of the Alta Rebbe. I'm not sure he was who his mother must have been. Uh, also from another daughter of the Mitla Rebbe, must have been uh, of of, of uh, of um, I have to look it up who's uh, who Rabban was, uh, how he was, um, how he was a grandson. No, he was a, a grandson from the. Um, he was also similar to the Alter Rebbe. The Tzemach said was also a grandson from the Alter Rebbe. In addition to being a son-in-law of the Mitla Rebbe, because his mother was a daughter of the Alter Rebbe as well. So it's the same lineage. Yeah. Same lineage, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's a, so it's like the same. Oh, but he didn't want he now. Didn't take it. So he didn't want to take it. Now, so it says like this that before the Yomtev of Shavuos, many Hasidim came to Lubavitch, that's where the Samarzadik lived, and they continued to insist to the Samarzadik that he should accept the leadership. But he pushed everybody away. The Chasid Raperet Schein relates. This was on the third day, which was the first day of Shloshim Magbola, that was the first day before Shavuos. Uh, that was on a Tuesday. So he says, somehow I got this inspiration. I got this spiritual inspiration. And when I was standing together with Rav Hillel Paricher and Ritzchak Isaac Mavitevsk, we were begging in the Tzemach Tzedek, on behalf of the thousands of Hasidim that he should accept upon himself the leadership as the Hasidic community desires, I told him that I have a very clear proof from the words of our sages that he, the grandson of the Alter Rebbe, he is the only one that is fitting to become the leader. So the Tzamech Tzedek says, okay, you know, you're not allowed to uh, degrade. If this is a saying of our sages, let me hear. What is there to, what kind of a statement do you find of a sages that tells you that I have to become the Rebbe? So he says to him, I said like this. He says, in the past, in the, in the verse it states, Isha kisazriya v'yoldo zohar. So the verse that talks about the woman giving birth, it starts to talk, he says, is a, if, a, if a woman is mazriya, uh, then she gives uh, birth to a male. That seems to imply, I'm not sure exactly how medically they know this, but it says if the woman is one that is mazriya, which would mean in the, in the order of conception, uh, so at that point it would be a male. Our sages tell us that if it's the man who is mazriya tchila, then they would be giving birth to a female. So he says like this, uh, if the fact that the Alter Rebbe gave birth to your mother, which is the Tzemach Tzedek, that means that she's directly from the Alter Rebbe, and the woman gives to the male, that's you. So she says, so that's why you are the direct lineage from the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe gave birth to you. In other words, your mother, your mother is more connected to the Alter Rebbe than to the mother because the basically what it means is that the female is connected more to the father and the male is connected more to the mother. So that's the way it's been transmitted. So they said that you come from the father 
uh, my, your mother comes from the Alter Rebbe, and you come from your mother, and therefore uh, you um, you were you were born, and the Rebbe is obligated to fulfill the desire of the Hasidim. The Tzemach Tzedek thought about it for a while, and he says, okay, accept it, but with a condition, that people should not overwhelm me and trouble me with advice in physical matters. So the Bihila Parish says, the Hasidim, they want to hear Hasidis. So there was the... Uh, News came out in the, uh, the camp of the Hasidim over there that the Tzemach Tzedek has accepted the leadership and the people were, of course, rejoicing, uh, all those who were there. And it was known that in a few minutes the Rebbe will come to the uh, synagogue to say Hasidus. So we all ran quickly to the base Medrash to get a place next to the Bima. After a short while, the Tzemach Tzedek came out dressed in his white garments. You see in the pictures over there. He has a white garment over there, that's the one that's a Tzedek. And uh, that he has received a, a gift, an inheritance from the Alta Rebbe. He sat on the bima, on the uh, the platform, and he began to say the Maimer HaShloysh Advarim HaOilam Oymed. That's the opening of that Maimer. That was the opening of the uh, of his leadership. And as we've mentioned many times, pointed out that unlike uh, the fake leaders, they run for leadership. <laughs> but the real leaders, they don't want the leadership and they, uh, you know, they, yeah, no, but, you know, and especially you can see also that he said he didn't want them to trouble him with, with physical matters. But of course, I don't think it helped him. <laughs> yes? Rashab, whose grandfather, the previous Rebbe's grandfather, was the Rebbe Maharash because the Rebbe Rashab was his father. But anyways, we've been studying uh, Yemei Chabad for the past um, for the past year almost. We started, you know, the Hebrew months. There is either twelve or thirteen months, depending on. The year, like this year, we have 13 months because there are 365 days that are in the cycle of the solar cycle. It's 365 and a half days is a solar cycle. The uh, uh, moon, uh, lunar cycle, is 29 and a half days. A month of the Hebrew month goes by the lunar cycle. But we still have to adjust that the two cycles meet up so that we don't have Pesach come out in the middle of the winter or uh, or Sukkot in the middle of the summer. So we, we, we have to adjust it. So uh, 12 times, which a normal year would be, a regular year would be 12 times 29 and a half, you're short 11 days. You're not going to get to the full cycle of the solar cycle. So the lunar cycle is not going to be equal to the solar cycle. Therefore, every three years, we add an additional month, because over three years, basically you're losing almost a month, you're losing like 33 days. So therefore, you add an additional month, and that straightens it out. So this year, for example, we had two 
an extra month. We had 13 months. This year was a year that we made up. Uh, it's called a Shonomu Uberis, uh, literally a, a pregnant year, meaning a year which has extra, which has more than just a year. So uh, we have 13 months this year. But by the Hebrew, by the Hebrew month, we, we go through, uh, you know, every day, all the dates that basically that we celebrate, commemorate, with some exceptions, are always hinged on the day of the month. And it, it's very interesting that the month is something which is now determined by the calendar, but it wasn't like that all the time. Initially, the way they decided which day was the first day of the month was by the actual vision, a sighting of the moon by the witnesses, and they would come to the court and they would testify that they saw the moon, and then the court would actually determine that that month is the month in which, that's the first day of the month. And then everything else would hinge on what the first day of the month is. Because any commemorative event, like a Yorzeit, for example, so a Yorzeit, you commemorate the day of passing on the same Hebrew date of the passing. We don't care uh, what the English date was, and we don't care what the day of the week was. That doesn't matter. The only thing that really matters is what is the Hebrew month and what is the date of the Hebrew month. That's why we go by. So like today, for example, the date is Yudalad. It's the 14th of the month of Sivan. Same thing is for a Bar Mitzvah. You're only going to do the Hebrew date. Uh, birthdays, you know, you can celebrate whatever one wishes, you know, but the real birthday, what we consider a birthday, like a Bar Mitzvah birthday, is going to go again by the Hebrew date. And, uh, and therefore, it's very, very important to know what the Hebrew date is because everything hinges on that. So the holidays, all the holidays are at a certain uh, date. Now today, again, our calendar has been already set. We know before and we can tell you until the time we're going to start uh, once again uh, making the month based on the uh, sighting of the witnesses, until the time we have already a calculated uh, calendar. We know already exactly every, every month when it's going to be, and we have it all figured out already. So that's not something that we have to guess today. But still, we commemorate all the different events. And it's, and it's very important for us, it's important to know dates. So what we've been doing over here, we had this, this book called Yemei Chabad, it's the Days of Chabad, which basically brings out in each month what the special uh, holiday or what's the special commemorative event, especially as it pertains to the Chabad uh, Rebbes or some major Hasidim or Rebetzins or uh, facts which are important. And the reason in generally why, why do we remember things? Why do we go back because most of the time uh, we can be inspired by the things that we remember. Um, you know, uh, life runs by so quickly and everybody is uh, so busy that we don't stop and we don't reflect and we don't sort of 
absorb at the moment. We're always, you know, we're always running, and uh, we don't have the time. Uh, we seem to be uh, uh, so uh, busy. But events that take place at a certain date have a special power in that day. Why is a yard site celebrated in the day of the yard site? Because somehow that day has that special energy, so to speak, that took place in that event. So it's important to know the event. So we've been going through the events, but what we've been doing it, we've been going ahead. So that means that, like today, uh, we're going to do in the month of Tammuz, which is the following month. We are not yet there. We're still in the month of Sivan. But today, as I said, is Yud Dalet. Anybody know what Yud Dalet equals? What is Yud? 14. Yud is 10, and Dalet is 4. So it's 14. Now, also, it's easy to know how many days each month is in this, this part of the, the way it's set up now. Nisan is always 30 days. The following ER is always 29 day. okay? Siva, uh, Sivan again is 30 days. Tammuz is 29 days. It goes 130, 129, 130, 129. It's 29 and a half days. So basically, one is 30, and the next one is 29. One is 30, then next 29. So on. Later on, we get to the last, to the second half, after Tishrei, then we come to, sometimes there is changes, and then you have to know exactly the way it's set up. That's also made in order to match up for the, all, all the other calculations. So, but basically... We know that, um, so, the 40, today we're, so today we're going to be studying something in the month of Tammuz, of the, 40, of the Tammuz. We started about a year ago, and we started from the month of Tammuz, but we didn't start from the beginning of Tammuz. i got to check exactly where we started, but we started somewhere there. So we're actually finished the cycle, and we will be, you know, doing something a little bit different, you know, fine. once we finish the entire cycle... Uh, just to uh, keep on changing a little bit instead of doing that. But that's something, I think, important that we were able to finish the entire thing. We're almost, almost done with it. We went through, and, you know, we, we, we study, most days we study a little bit, you know, uh, a few minutes. Uh, we do some Shulchan Aruch, we do some some current events, some laws, and general things. Um, just um, this, this, this talks about, this day, is going to talk about the third day of Tammuz. That's the third day of Tammuz. This was in the year Tafrej Yud Aleph. The Hebrew date is 611. Uh, 611, just so put it into some context. Now we're 774. Tafshin, it's 5,000. I'm leaving out the 5,000. We're leaving out the 5,000. because okay, So it's 5,000. So now we're Tafshin Ayin Dalet. So that is 700. Tuf is 4, Shin is 3, Ayin is 70, and Dalet is 4. So we're now, we're basically uh, 774. 5,774. This is 5,611. So it's 150 plus years ago. Um, no. Uh, what what happened on that day, there was this uh, huge fire in the city of Lubavitch. This was during the the leadership of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitch Rebbe. As I'm sure you know in history, uh, one of the biggest, uh, the Tzemach Tzedek is the one, the picture over there right above your head, yes, that's Tzemach Tzedek. Yeah. Um, 
in the olden days, of course, their structures were all of wood. And if you had a fire, unfortunately, it can burn down a whole city. Uh, one fire uh, can burn down a whole city. I mean, we know today, too, you know, a guy is not careful. We know what happens, that these can have raging acres and acres of, mm-hmm. of uh, trees and uh, homes and other things can be destroyed, as we have every summer in the heat and the... In places like California and Arizona and uh, places like that, we have wildfires going strong. But in the olden days, they didn't have none of the modern ways of battling flames. And if you had a fire, uh, also people didn't have uh, digital storage, uh, putting it on the cloud. They didn't have a way to hide, to put away some of the most valuable and precious stuff. There were a lot of things that perished, unfortunately, with the fire, so in this great fire, uh, um, there were many fires during the uh, times that the Rebbe's lived in the city of Lubavitch. That was the actual city in the it's White Russia called the Ukraine. It's right over there in that in that area. Um, it's kind of hard to uh, you know it's kept on switching around, but um, there's the city of Lubavitch and. There were many times there was fires, but one of the uh, uh, very serious one was this fire that took place on the third day of Tammuz, as we said, in 611, in which the houses of the Tzemach Tzedek and all of his sons, uh, they were all burned down. And um, the uh, previous Rebbe writes that the Tzemach Tzedek and all the Rebbe's household, they went to live in the home of the uh, in homes that the uh, one who uh, was in charge of the city, they had uh, those days the land was like distributed amongst various different uh, landowners who would sort of be almost like uh, owning those properties, divided amongst themselves and and they, 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 they provided for the Rebbe in a in a um, in a special way. Now, of course, uh, we talk about the third day of Tammuz, and it's interesting. Yesterday, uh, we talked about um, uh, Gimel Tammuz. We talked about the twenty eighth of Sivan, and the twenty eighth day of Sivan we spoke about yesterday is the day that the Rebbe came to this country. But we also know that the third day of Tammuz is the day of passing of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Uh, it's going to be 20 years now since the day of the passing of the Rebbe. So, first of all, uh, well, we're talking about everything else, but we know that um, life is really measured not only by the, uh, by the physical when you're here, but uh, life is measured by the impact and by the influence and by uh what do you mean to other uh, people and um, a lot of times we find that people even after they physically pass from the world but they continue to have a um, an impact they continue to direct in 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 a way and sometimes even stronger than even while during their lifetime. And with the Rebbe, of course, we can say that um, 
that notwithstanding the fact that while the Rebbe was here physically with us, I think there was no denying, and people got, I guess, um, directly uh, inspired by either meeting the Rebbe, seeing the Rebbe, uh, hearing his words physically. Now, after Gimel Tammuz, the choice is ours, which means uh, we can either continue to uh, live by, uh, live with, with him, or we can sort of say this is past history. But if you look around in Chabad today, all over the world, and just look at our little shul over here, um, the Rebbe's inspiration, the Rebbe's guidance, the Rebbe's message, the Rebbe's influence continues to inspire us, continues to motivate. You know, one of the fascinating things is that when you look around in the world, there's always, they call this the generation gap. They say the old folks and the new people, they have different ideas. And they can't somehow meet, they can't mesh. The old people, you're from the old generations, and a lot of times the young people will say, well, you know, you don't really understand us because you're from a different era. You are, we are different today, and there's a whole launch of other things. Now, it is amazing to find that the Rebbe, being a scholar from Europe, where the Rebbe was raised and grew up in Russia, and later on he got an education as well, but mainly his, uh, his, his life was such that he grew up in a very uh, rabbinic, uh, holy, great family. He wasn't really uh, exposed in his initially to a lot of the uh, modern world. Later on, the Rebbe did go ahead and, and study but yet, the Rebbe was able to tap in and to motivate so many of the young people till today. And, you know, like they said, the young people are like a, like a fire. We're talking about a fire over here. Uh, young people are like a fire. A fire, if it goes out of control, as you see, can burn down a house, can burn down a city, can burn down a whole, can burn down a whole country. But if you take the fire and you direct it, you put it inside the burner, then it can give heat to the house. If you put it on the stove, a fire, it can cook. And If you uh, put it into a lamp, you can get light from it. So fire can produce tremendous benefits to us, uh, to the people around it, but it can also cause a lot of destruction. So it depends how you handle fire. And Rabbi said, young children, children, uh, teenagers especially, and young people especially, are like fire. Which means, if you don't guide them, if you don't direct them, and you don't uh, sort of harness them in the right direction, they can, you know, do terrible things. You know, they can get involved in terrible things, they can destroy, they can do a lot of things that are bad. But if you are able to harness them, if you're able to take that and contain it into a positive way to be able to produce heat, warmth, light, beauty, I mean, that's, 
you're going to get a lot more out of a fire than you're going to get out of something that doesn't, uh, doesn't burn as strong. So the energy of the young people and their enthusiasm, if you can ch- direct it and channel it in the right direction, you're going to get some real beautiful and great stuff out of them. And the Rebbe, notwithstanding that he comes, or people think he comes from a different era, he was able to take the young people today, take their energy, and sometimes take their chutzpah, their brazency, and their desire, so to speak, to go against the grain and uh, uh, despise some of the accepted norms. You know, they'll uh, if you go out, you'll they'll play music, they'll put tattoos on, and they'll put earrings, and they'll do all kinds of mishigas of things, right? Because they're anti, sort of the anti-establishment. They don't want to go by what everybody says to be correct and to do the right things. They want to do things the way they see it. That's they have it. So the Rebbe used that exact force, that fire that they have. But instead of doing negative things with it, the Rebbe channeled it to do positive things. He says, you know what? Uh, you go in the middle of the street, in the middle of uh, Manhattan, there's hundreds and thousands of people walking up the street over there, and you have the chutzpah go over to somewhere, saying, are you Jewish? Would you like to put on tefillin today? That's a chutzpah. I mean, hey, you know, what? Or the Rebbe would send out a young fellow who is just barely starting to study to go ahead and give a class to people who know less than him. As we said, that Rebbe spoke about that if you have somebody on a lesser level than you, then you have to teach him, even if you know very little. The Rebbe would say, you are somebody that matters, you have powers, and you should utilize everything that you have, that Hashem is giving you, every gift that you have. Go ahead, teach it to somebody, get involved. So, the Rebbe took all of our energies, all of our seemingly negative, what we can do bad, and he twisted it around. And he said, you know what? Take that chutzpah that you have and do it for good. So use your chutzpah, use your anti-establishment. Go ahead, open up a Chabad house in some far-flung country. Maybe, you know, get on the phone, tell the people, you know, come to Shul to David. The guy says, don't bother me. You know, and you know, say, no, no, come to Shul <laughs> you say, come to the class. And even if they reject you, keep on pushing. It takes a little chutzpah, it takes nerve. It takes a little bit of uh, going out of yourself. But that's, young people have that. So the Rebbe, in a different era, and in a different motivated and pushed and got the people to go ahead and do, and do these kind of work. And he was able to change the whole world, one person to change everything in the world because Judaism today would not be the way it is today if not for the Rebbe's continuous inspiration. So therefore, one has to ask himself, 20 years have passed since the Rebbe has left us physically. But yet, the Rebbe's message, the Rebbe's inspiration, the Rebbe's life continues to inspire, continues to motivate, continues to live on with us. It's really something phenomenal. It's 
something which not that many have that privilege to be able to continue to be a source of, of that pushes you to do as we find it, you know, by the Rebbe. And that's um, something very, very special. Talking about that matter, I just wanted to mention, um, you know, a lot of times you feel uncomfortable in situations, you know, like you have to nudge somebody. So my wife says she considers herself now to be the the professional nudnik, you know. You know what a nudnik is? You ever know what a nudnik is? <laughs> oh, what is that? Pin the neck. Like a troublemaker. You know, they, they once asked, what's the difference between a shlomil and a shlomazel and a nudnik? So he says the shlomil is the one who accidentally pours out the soup. And the shlomazel gets it on his pants. And the nudnik wants to know what kind of soup it was. The <laughs> <laughs> <a> detail. <laughs> a nudnik. You know, it's kind of hard to describe what a nudnik is, but the word nudnik itself has a. Uh, so she says that she became a professional nudnik. You know, you're you're bugging people. You know, somebody who bugs and he, you know, he gets on your nerves, you know, or she gets on your nerves, and you know, she keeps on hacking you. You know. The, just let me leave me alone. Let me leave my life. So, Lebavitches, a lot of times, find themselves to being nudniks, you know, being, you know, uh, constantly uh, bothering people, you know, come to the minion, come to this, come to that, you know, you like it. So, but Rebbe once gave a parable to this, and he said, which is very, very telling, he says, you know, there is like, sometimes there's a fire, talking about a fire that is burning, and then there's a person who is sleeping in the bedroom and he is having beautiful dreams. He's in La La Land, you know, and he's just, he's just, loves every second of it. But there's a fire out there that is burning. So you go into him, you say, listen, you start shaking him. He says, there's a fire out there, please wake up, save, your, save yourself. He says, leave me alone. I want to sleep. This is so enjoyable. I don't want to be bothered. Don't wake me up. This is, this is the life. And he shakes him again and again. And finally, he forces the guy to get up. And when the guy gets up, the house burns down. So what is he going to say to you? He says, you know, thank you for saving my life. Now, it took a lot of nudging. It took a lot of nudniks. It took a lot of effort in your part to shake him and to wake him and to keep on pushing him. But at the end of the day, you actually saved his life. And guess what? He's going to thank you and he's going to owe his life to you. And he's going to forever be grateful to you. If you look around how many hundreds of thousands of people have found their way back, have appreciated what meaning in life is, how they got found God back into their lives. They were able to bring peace in their homes. There was harmony with families, with children. There was meaning. There was just a sense of belonging and a sense of accomplishments, a good feeling of knowing that there's meaning to life rather than just letting each day pass by you and just going, 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 and just 
uh, getting older by the minute and by the hour, but just utilizing and taking the time to study, to grow, to become closer to Hashem, to become closer to your friends, to get involved, to do things that are very, very positive. At the end of the day, these people, some of them didn't realize that when they started off. But when you nudge them enough, and then eventually it's something clicked over there, then they're going to be forever grateful to you. And they're going to thank you. They said, you know what? At the end of the day, you saved my life. Maybe not physically, but you saved my life spiritually. Because you have shown me, you know, what it means to live, how to live a life, a life of meaning. And now it's always, it's not a thing that happens overnight. It's a process. It's a process that takes takes time. And the um, Rebbe continues to to inspire us. The Rebbe continues to teach us. The Rebbe continues to... And I got to tell you this. Uh, sometimes it, it, it looks like for some people, the outside, that, you know, what are we, deitizing the Rebbe, like making him into a deity or to some sort of... Uh, but... If you have the opportunity to actually read firsthand, you know, some of the Rebbe's writings, some of the Rebbe's correspondence, some of the Rebbe's work, you actually get a real feeling, a real sense of who the person really was. You don't need anybody to tell you. You don't need anybody to convince you. You don't need anybody. You, you come to that conclusion yourself. And even somebody like myself, uh, who has been with the Rebbe all my life. I grew up over there, I've been with the Rebbe, I've been part of this all my life. And, you know, you get older, you know, you you know a lot of things that when you were younger, you know, maybe you thought that you knew everything, you're starting to realize that, you know, there's a lot of things you don't know. Sometimes you start to doubt things that you thought you knew, and you're not sure, you know, life's experience shows you different ways. But the more I learn, and the more I see, and the more I read, I never fail to get, again, inspired, inspired by the Rebbe's just humanity, his concern, his compassion, his brilliance, his, you know, just everything. It's just like, but you know what I find it most? It's not when I read an article about him. Okay, you know, people write beautifully and they write about it, you know. I cry when some of the articles that I read, you know, because they're very sentimental, but... I'm mostly inspired when I read the Rebbe's works himself, when I see some of the Rebbe's writing, how the Rebbe handles, how the Rebbe handles himself. And especially, we live in such a, I get generation, an orphan generation today, because we don't have any really strong leaders, uh, real leaders that we can sort of really look up to, that we can say, these people are, you know, really great people. Most of them, at least those that, you know, that I hear about, that I see about, that I read about, are sometimes very disappointing, to say the least. But, you know, uh, we are such in such shortage of real leadership, people that are just a little bit bigger than just the smallness of their own ego and their own self and their own agendas and their own little petty kind of stuff. You know, everybody's into those little things and people get so cut up. And, you know, you try, you know, uh, touching somebody's ego, you know, and the whole whole world will come apart. And 
Where's real leadership, people of real brilliance, real holiness, real righteousness? Very, very difficult to come by, very fine. People, you know, people know how to manipulate other people's minds. You know, we find all that kind of stuff. But real that I find, every time I open up a book from the Rebbe, not that somebody wrote about the Rebbe, but what the Rebbe himself wrote, the Rebbe's, especially the Rebbe's letters, because the Rebbe's letters. Uh, so, third day of Tammuz is a day that's going to come up to connect you know, with the Rebbe and with Yiddishkeit and to keep on doing it. And we hope that, you know, Mashiach will come, take us out of exile. We'll be with the Rebbe together also physically. We hope that happens. Till that time, we'll continue to study and we'll continue to learn and we'll continue to wait. The Rebbe inspired us to wait for Mashiach every day and that's what we'll continue doing. Now there's disappointments, yes. Did we have expectation? Yes. Did it happen yet? No. That's not what we're happening. Does life keep on going on? Yes, it does. But we're not going to give up hope. We're Jewish people. Our belief is stronger and we've overcome a lot more difficult, many more difficult challenges. And we'll overcome this challenge too. And we'll eventually merit to see the blessings. Each one of us will see how they're blessed. And in the meantime, we'll hold strong and we'll do as much as we can. Everybody will do as much as we can to be able to do what we can in the, uh, in the level of Yiddishkeit. So.